You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. I'm really excited. Got a, I got a little tiny testimony. It's kind of an interesting one. I was uh, in a city called Newark, Ohio, which is about 30 minutes east of Columbus. And we went there because a close friend of my wife had a pretty bad fall, and she broke her the bone in her heel, plus really severely hurt her ankle. Her husband was going to try to help her by catching her. She said that just made it worse. But he ended up getting his wrist twisted. So, so he's like got his thing all messed up and so we go there and went to pray for her. We prayed four times, nothing. No change in her pain or anything. Her husband goes, well, hold it. He starts gripping his hand. He goes, my wrist is fine. He takes off the thing and goes, honey, look at this. <laughs> so, so you can have, a, what, what do they call it? Collateral prayer. <laughs> so I thought it was pretty funny. To, uh, so last week, uh, we looked at uncertainty, and we looked at how that can be a nagging effect on your soul. What happens, though, if you decide the outcome of that uncertainty and think the worst is coming? That's where most of our fear comes from. We're fear of what we think is going to happen, or we fear what we're sure is going to happen. And so that's where most of it comes from. Fear is false faith. It's we have something that, faith in something that God has not ordained, God has not planned. There's no goodness, mercy, or forgiveness in, in our counterfeit faith. It's the work of the enemy. You know, sometimes we try to disguise our rational fear, what we think is rational fear, and to be honest, sometimes that is true, but we try to call it rational fear just to disguise it. But way too often, it's fear with a new label. And we do this because we don't want to look weak. We don't want to look irrational in our fear. I don't want to say, I'm a scaredy cat. So I say, I'm being rational. You know, I have an, a, I'm not comfortable with heights. And so it seems rational for me to think. It makes no sense to walk down a path that's got a 300-foot drop-off right here. I don't care if thousands and thousands of people have walked that path without incident. I know I'm the one that's gone. And I'll tell you, I don't have fear. I'm rational. See, John wrote that, that perfect love casts out fear. And that's, as we see that really evident in our relationships. But what casts out that general sense of fear, unease, anxiety? From the love of God comes perfect peace. You know, John 20, and it begins around verse 19, after, after Jesus had been crucified, there's this, this picture of the disciples all huddled together. They are fearful. They're fearful that they're going to be next. They don't know what's going on. They know that the body is gone. The women have told them something about Jesus is risen again. They don't know what to think of. Right now, confusion, chaos, and fear fills the room. It owns the room. 
with no warning, Jesus appears. And the Messiah has appeared, or at least who they thought was the Messiah. They weren't, they're not even sure right now. And so he says to them, peace be with you. First words he says to them after he's risen from the dead, he doesn't say, hey guys, guess what? It's like, peace be with you. He shows them his wounds and says, peace to you. Let's look at that right now real quick. I just want to read through it. Verse 19. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst of them and said, Peace be with you. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Then Jesus said to them again, Peace to you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. See, this was, a, this was not just a simple greeting. This wasn't, hey, peace, bro. And, and, you know, we don't see this in the Bible hardly at all. What usually happens when a divine being shows up? We see him say, fear not. So I, I have to ask, why is this event different? Why is peace something more permanent than do not be afraid? See, we saw that, and as soon as he said, I'm sure that they remember that event, in, it shows in Mark 4, when they're all in a boat. How many remember this? A storm came up, and they absolutely were sure, remember that definition of rational fear, they were sure they were going to die. Okay, let's look at that. It's, uh, Matthew 4, I'm going to pick up verse 37, or 35. On the same day when the evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. That was Jesus speaking. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in a boat, as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? Where, how is it you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, How can this be that even the wind and the sea obey, obey him? Peace was spoken, and the, and the seas and the waves calmed. Peace was spoken, and the storm in their heart, the storm in their being, was calmed. Jesus was placing something permanent into the very being of the apostles. This is not a temporary calm. This, is, this was his peace. Before he went to the cross, Jesus spoke of peace. And he, he was giving them an assurance of his love. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives to you, I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Never, or neither, let it be afraid. My peace. This became very personal. This is my peace I'm giving to you. He's not saying, oh, let their peace be. I'm saying my peace is yours. It's yours. I'm giving it to you. So we're gonna, today we're going to examine the very peace of Christ. The peace that dwells in our heart and commands our soul. Developing an understanding I don't, even a rudimentary, even a 
Rud I can't hardly say the word. Rudiment say it for me. <laughs> there we go. I knew you were listening. <laughs> a rudiment uh, understanding of peace. God's peace totally changed my life. It really changed my life. I want to explain a little bit of the circumstances of when that happened. When, when God brought his peace to me, God's peace came to me. And this is different than joy. This, is, this peace established a new level of relationship with, with God. And it was 2007. Most of you know I'm retired from the auto industry at the, car, at the dealership level. And the, in 2007, the auto industry tanked. Gas hit $4 a gallon. Sales collapsed. Dealerships were closing everywhere. And the big three were in Washington looking for help. And just to add to this little moment, I, that's when I quit drinking. So I felt like the guy in the movie Airplane. Oh, bad day to stop smoking. You know, <laughs> bad day to give up sniffing glue. I don't know if you ever saw the movie. <laughs> but, well, the dealership I worked at, it closed. And so, and there were no jobs anywhere. Most dealerships were just trying to hang on to their best people and, and survive during this period of time. And so I had the paperwork in, in my hand from the foreclosure of my house. And that's when I started to pray. Yeah, I didn't, I, I didn't, want, to, I didn't, want, to, I didn't want to bother him with small things. So anyway, but I prayed for peace and prayed for protection for my wife, St. Young. And instantly it came over me. This peace, astounding peace, I knew that everything was going to be okay if I just trusted him. And so this calm was overwhelming. And my wife even sensed it. She goes, wow, this is unbelievable. And, then, and she goes, well, honey, whatever happens, I'll go with you. And it's like it doubled the peace. It's just like it filled the room because she was at peace in my peace. And guess what? I lost my house. See, this didn't change my circumstances. I lost my house. I, I did get a job going back to selling cars, and I was totally at peace with this. And the thing was, when I lost my house, no one came up to crack my kneecaps. No one threw me in jail. It was a little embarrassing, but it wasn't, nothing happened to me. So I was able to calmly make decisions that I would never have made because I could see things I could never have seen. If I was in panic state, I would have never have seen the things that he opened for me. And so after a few months, the, the Lord gave me a way of getting back into management that I would never have come up with in a thousand years. And so things started getting better. Now, we lived in a little small apartment for five years. Those five years were valuable time. We were totally out of debt. We started reestablishing savings. It took those five years to do it, and then eventually things changed. I got to tell you how, by the way, I got to tell you how, how he told me to do. I went into a major, I was a Hubler uh, organization. I went into, Mr. Hubler was there, and all their VPs, and all these people were sitting there. And I said, hey, I got an idea. I'm a, I'm, I've been a finance person, you know that. Um, here's what I want to do. I want to write you a check every single month if you let me come into work every day. And I'll write you a check, you don't have to pay me anything. And he looked at me like I was nuts. You know, and he said, what are you talking about? I said, these are your numbers. These are my normal numbers. 
I'll write you a check, a check out of the difference, and you write me a check out of the difference. So you're paying me to I'm paying you to come to work every day because I'm worth it for me to be in, your, in that office for you. And Mr. Huber goes, I don't know if that's going to work, but I like this guy's moxie. <laughs> so, but anyway, I, I wanted you to know because the peace, the peace of God, had a, it altered my mind. I, I was realigned to him in a state of obedience I never, ever was. I'm telling you, this might be the most important sermon I ever deliver. Because if you, if you, living in peace, where peace is the permanent core of your heart, and your anxiety and all the other stuff is in your periphery, and it's temporary, if you move to that place, your life will change, your family's life will change, everything will change, and more importantly, your relationship to Christ will change like it is never, you've never lived before when you step in that place. Now, I want you to understand, the word peace, nearly every time it's used in the Bible, is always a verb. It's an action verb, actually. And so we don't always think of it that way. See, peace is the authority to cast out chaos, rebellion, and upheaval in our lives. And then that leads to tranquility. So it's a verb that leads to a noun. Shalom is not a result. It's a process that leads to a result. Now, I want you to understand this. When I mention authority, there's a difference between authority and power. You rule with authority. You conquer with power. So we're talking about a ruling situation here. So peace is the authority of Christ, his rule of Christ, flowing in us to bring us inner peace, but then to bring peace around us. Now, there's two types of peace. The first one would be peace with God. Now, that's an internal peace resulting from reconciliation with God through the resurrection of Christ. And here's what it is. It's the inner harmony of our plans and, and purposes, walking with the plans and purposes of God. And you see that in, in Romans 5, 1 and 2. It says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope and of the glory of God. Peace with God. See, the life of Jesus was perfect peace because he was in constant step with the will of God. He was always at peace. And this type of peace will have a lot to do with our trust and our obedience when we're at peace with God. Then there's peace of God. This is a different, this is different. This is the peace that surpasses, or I, I prefer the word, is greater than understanding. This, is, this flows from our peace with God. This is primary. If you don't have peace with God to start with, you have nothing. So it's peace with God, and then it flows from that is dependent on our relationship with Christ. So it's it's perfectly explained in uh, Philippians. It says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. See, this differs from a gift. A gift is given, and 
God never takes back a gift. This is a relational piece. So as your relationship wanes, starts to disappear a little bit, your peace will be shaken because you'll be, you'll be apart. But as your relationship grows, your peace just becomes amazing. Crazy amazing. I, this is the kind of peace that will surround you. This brings peace to people around you. So this is, this is contagious. It's a good word today. It can go viral. <laughs> I mean, it, it can really touch others and bring peace. You know, the book of Ephesians, in chapter 6, it mentions having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace as an, an, an important component of the armor of God. But I really like Isaiah 52, 7. This is beautiful. Someone introduced me to this. I always prays for my feet. I always had arthritis in my feet. How beautiful... Upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. The good news, the good news is what Jesus did allows us to destroy the anarchy around us. And the result is peace. It's like saying, peace, peace. So, and this gift that Jesus calls, that Jesus calls, they call this beautiful. How beautiful are the feet. It's, it, what a, I just love this. And what's the source of your peace? The reign and rule of God in whom all authority rests. Now, we also mentioned in the other verse, it says, what is the preparation? It says, the preparation of the gospel of peace. What's the preparation? You know, I, I used to skip over that word. I never really paid much attention to it. Important word. The preparation. This is the firm understanding of the promises of God. To hear his word and know it. And then his word is heard on your lips. Because you know it so well. I actually go to Joshua for this. Joshua 1, simple verse. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread, I have given to you, as I said to Moses. From this I can proclaim, God is with me. Everywhere we go, God's with us. And he's driving out all things by his presence. Anarchy, chaos, rebellion, they are not welcome in the presence of God. And they must go. You and I are the shift in the atmosphere. We are mobile temples of light, hope, and peace. And so this verse of Joshua is about taking territory. It's when they're going to the promised land. And God's peace is part of taking territory, both physical and spiritual. When you step into the room, God's authority begins to fill the room. And based on your intimacy with him, he can literally move from baseboard to baseboard and fill the room with peace. And his presence will fill. And that place where you are becomes holy ground. And then what comes from your mouth will 
touch everybody else. It'll rest on them and be real and alive. This is a change agent that you bring everywhere you go. You know, the prophecy on John the Baptist, as if you remember in Luke 1, one little section of it near the end I like, is in uh, 179. It says, I give light to those who sit, or to give light to those who sit in darkness in the shadow of death, to guide your feet in the way of peace. Now you look at John the Baptist, you say, he doesn't sound like a peacemaker. He was stirring stuff up all the time. But what was he doing? He was offering a way to forgive for sin. And that was bringing peace. The feet are shod with the preparation. That is the knowledge that we carry, that we know the presence of God is with us. We, we've prep, that's the preparation. We know this. And anxiety must leave because he that is in us is greater than he that is in the world. What, what is greater than anything in the room when we're with Christ? He drives it all out. You know what? I don't always have a firm grip on this preparation. But it's a promise of God. And so where we walk, darkness must flee. Some days I waver. You know why? My relationship shifts. Some days my relationship with my wife shifts. And there's not peace in that house, I can tell you that right now. So, <laughs> But this is important. This is important. You know, the spiritual souls of peace, the, the shoes of peace, actually protect, a little pun, our souls, S-O-U-L-S, from the, the, the jagged rocks, from the slipping, from the, the, the difficult terrain. We, we move to make change. We move to bring light. We move to release that which is in us, protected from the distractions around us. And this peace is transferable. Understand this. Remember in Luke 10, he sends out the 70? Now, he gave very, very specific instructions of what to say when you enter the house. Remember this part? It starts in verse 5. It says, Whenever you, whatever house you enter, first say, Peace to this house. You notice that? That's a command. That's an imperative command. He's casting out everything right when you step into the house. And it says, and if a son is peace, of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. If not, it will return to you. We have been commissioned to, to proclaim the good news of Christ. And to, with the same instructions, we are to cast peace into the world. We're supposed to cast peace into the world. Now, some people are in darkness. And they won't receive peace. And it'll return to you. He does this specifically so you don't let your peace be shaken by someone not receiving the peace. So each of us has the authority to totally change the very nature around us. To leave a permanent footprint of the presence of God in his peace. That's why it's on our feet. It, that's where it contacts earth. That's where it contacts the world. And everywhere you go, your feet are changing things. You know, I, I mentioned it a little bit how earlier, how peace will settle in the, settle in the core of our being 
And it causes the chaos to be sent to the periphery. Because see, this, this establishes our peace independent of our circumstances. Too often, our circumstances are the basis of our understanding or, or the basis of our interpretation of understanding. That becomes our understanding. But peace is greater than our understanding. It's greater than our circumstances. It's greater than this is what's going to happen. Our peace is greater than that. And so that's what that, that when it says it's greater than our understanding, it, it means it, it's, it trumps it. I just, I, that's so, you know, I, I, I spend my whole life living in this chaos. My whole life. The world lives in chaos. You, you may not get this. The chaos is in the center. The peace is in the periphery. And it's temporary. When those walking in peace don't go in the, to the beach to find peace. We go to the beach to revel in the joy of the Lord and to raise our relationship with something that we hope to bring back with us. We're not going there to find peace. We bring peace with us. The beach is an experience to, to, to lift things to another level. Think of peace as a thermostat in the room. You know, through Christ, you change the temperature of your surroundings. When things get hot, you can cool them down. When things are sitting there, in, you know, ice cold, you can bring up the heat. And don't hesitate to say it out loud. Speak peace. Speak it out loud. Jesus didn't argue with the storm. He said shalom, and it was a settled argument. There was no long oratory. He told him, I have the authority, you don't, peace. And it was over. And you have that same thing going with you. And so, if you find yourself slipping into a little bit of anxiety, reestablish yourself in the Word. I mean, i, I got to tell you this little Funny kind of little story, really. I was I took Fanny to the hospital on tu- on Tuesday, and I was there like over three hours. But I, I I started writing some of my sermon, and while I was there, I'm writing about peace, and I'm I'm thinking, I got to project peace in the room. I'm thinking, Lord, bring peace to this whole room, to this whole waiting room. And the Lord told me get up from where I was and go sit to an- next to another lady. And I found it out. We ended up praying with each other. She was really, really wanting peace. She was nervous. And she, it was in an area where you get tubes taken out. And she said she'd gotten an infection last time they took it out. and it almost killed her. She got like a staph infection and all this. She was terrified to have them take, take whatever it was out. He, and he called me to do that. And it's funny. She goes, oh, it's like God just asked you to sit right next to me today. <laughs> I go, actually, I just wrote that. <laughs> so, the other th- the way, to, other than getting into the Word, ask someone who walks in peace to speak peace over you. Speak peace over you. And don't forget something. This is an issue of authority. One of the traps Satan wants to get you into is have spiritual warfare with power. You see, he's lost all authority. He has no authority. He has no right to rule. And so you move in with the authority of Christ, and you win every one of those battles. When you get into a power struggle, 
He has power. And, and you may or may not like the results of that power struggle, but you'll always like the results of, of your authority when you, when you step in authority. God will step in if he's, if he, dis, when any time uh, the enemy disobeys the authority of God, he steps in with power. It's like any other authority. If, if you disobey the authority of, of, of law, let's say a sheriff, and you say, the heck with you, and you just take off going, there's a f- pretty good chance you're going to meet power. Same thing. So I just want us to really understand we can really increase our relationship to our daily prayer time. Read, your, read the, the Word of God in a relational way. It's our love letter. Read it in a relational way. Ask questions. Stop. Lord, I don't get this. What's this preparation stuff? That's, what, that's how I and how I started praying with him, and he finally gave me, he, he laid something on my heart, then I went and confirmed it elsewhere. Do that. If something doesn't make sense, God's stopping you for a reason. This is relational. Some people have been taught, you don't question God's word. I question it all the time, and he loves it. That's how I'm moving closer and closer to him. He, he just likes to envelop you into your questions. I mean, it's no different than if you ask your parents. You're not challenging their authority by saying, what was it like when you were a teenager? You're not saying, did you do bad things too? Oh. You want to know the character of your parents. I mean, some of these things we, we, we hesitate to do. I don't, because we've been trained, don't you dare do that. He wants you to do all that stuff. You know, Moses, he saw it all. He saw everything that happened. He saw the plagues get all, he saw all, he saw a, a sea split wide open. He brought people through it. He saw all this stuff. But when he gets face to face with God, what's he say? Show me your ways. Show me your goodness. He's like, there's so much more to you I need to know. Can we share? It's a bottomless pit. A good one. It's like, it's, it's, a, it's an all-you-can-eat buffet. There we go. <laughs> and everything's cooked perfect. I, I think that we miss this sometimes. You know, our relationship establishes our peace. This is not wishful thinking. or This, this is not denial. It's a relational establishment with Christ that brings your peace. And we really need to be consciously aware of the presence of God everywhere we walk. Allow God to meet you at your point of expectation. And I mean this about consciously aware because then it becomes a habit. But you have to remind yourself, oh, golly, God's with me right here as I stand in line and I'm complaining about how slow it is. It's not a parade. It's called a line for a reason. I mean, but... I'm that way. I don't have much patience. That's my, I heard someone say that to me. Why this line's not moving? Well, it's not a parade. I went, oh, gosh. So I want you to start to feel his direction in your space. When you go, go into a room, start to feel his direction, where to sit and where to stand, who to speak to. Allow him to command that way. And you'll be really surprised. And you might find that the grumpiest person in the room 
is the one he sits you next to. You know how I know? Oh, you Christians always used to sit next to me. <laughs> See, what happens is he knows who's an agitator in the room. He's going to bring peace right away. And he wants to put, he wants that person, he loves that person so much, he wants that person to be calm. So then, usually that person uh, tends to be the type that can make other things happen. You ever notice that type of person? That if things are going well, the whole room goes well? He wants you to turn that, change the air by that person. And, and so, it's really a lot of fun. And those of you guys that are real, real shy, and you're like, oh, I can't really do much. Do you realize you got the power of a freight train just by saying the word peace. And you don't shout it. Just, peace. Just like that. Not in frustration, but in anticipation. And allow peace to come. You know, this gospel of hope that we have, I mean, it takes the hopeless ones into a, a different realm. And it all begins when they receive peace. When they receive Christ, Christ is received and peace with God is established instantly. The conflict is over. You and God are now at peace. And then you're at a place where the grace of God can start moving. And now your relationship can expand and expand and expand. You've got to remember this is like a marriage. It's a courtship. You're about to get married to, the, to the, the bride of heaven, if you will. And so there's a courtship. But we first have to establish some ground rules when we come to Christ and we are born again. But in any relationship, there are going to be ups and downs. So if you think that you're going to be dancing on air every single day, you might not. But that's determined by you. God didn't go away. And so when that happens, when you sense it, it's not, it's, don't get alarmed. It's like the fuel gauge on your car. The light came on, and you say, I need to get filled up again and be filled up again. So this doesn't mean, oh, my goodness, my relationship's over. I'm, I thought I was a good Christian. And, and, you know, Rick gets mad sometimes. Our pastor gets mad. You ever hear? I, it's hard to believe this. You know, by the power of the, of, of the death, resurrection, and ascension of Christ. He's conquered the world and he's extending his authority to all of us through peace. That's why I love Colossians 15. It's my favorite. Let, let the peace of God rule your hearts to which you were also called into one body and be thankful. Let the peace of God rule your hearts as a uniting power by bringing peace into the room, into our body, that our body is all different people, different ages, different economics, different cultures, different everything, some languages even. See, now, if you, if you see if my wife was here, I'd be saying multiple languages. <laughs> and, and peace is such a factor in this. I've heard, I, I, what, what happened yesterday spending time with some other folks was so so amazing because a question came up, of course, of what's going on with the world because we hadn't seen them for a little while. And we started talking about peace. And they were just like, it became so peaceful. It was like, oh, the heck with that then. 
And I'm one of those that gets stirred up by that stuff. And so, and it can disturb my peace. And, and I always have to come back to, I have total faith in Christ. If I trust every promise of God, how could I be upset? What makes me anxious? If I trust every promise of God. So I, here's what I'd like to do real quick. I want right now, everyone here, kind of, you know what, maybe stand up. Get your circulation going. I want you just to put your hands to receive and just allow the peace of God now to start coming down on you. Father, we ask, release your peace to us in power. Whatever, we, whatever is disturbing us, whatever is nagging us, whatever's on the back of our mind, whether it be a health issue, and folks at home, please be doing this right now. Jim Cohen, peace to you. Dolores, peace to you. Fanny, peace to you. I don't care if you're in Kentucky, in, if you're down in Bloomington, peace into each of your households. Let it just rest. Let it come. Let it start to flow from you. It may come in a way that you almost feel like you'll fall over. Allow it. If you, if you are, just, just sit down in your chair. But let this peace become... You feel it getting denser. For some reason when I feel the peace come to me, I feel like it, it gets denser. I can, I can feel the weight of the peace as it lays on me. Like a weighted blanket. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.